Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, I just pray that this message that you put on my heart this morning, that it brings forth the fruit and the revelation that you desire in the hearts and the lives of those who are listening. And God, I pray that they won't just be natural words, but they'll be supernatural words, anointed with your very life and presence to provoke the life of God within each and every person that hears this morning. Let these words become eternal, not fleeting. And I thank you, Father, that, that as they apply faith to hear, and I'm applying faith to speak, Lord Jesus, as something miraculous will transpire. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So I want to I begin today telling you about uh, something that happened about a decade, almost a decade ago. It's hard to believe. Um, praise the Lord. We've been at this project a decade now. And uh, thank God, it looks like this year we are going to finish the restoration of the cathedral. And then we can move on to the restoration of the filling station, praise the Lord, which will be our, our youth center. But almost a decade ago, I went to Pakistan. It was my first trip to Pakistan. And, and Pakistan is a, is a nation that's 98% Muslim. And, and although we talk in the United States about, you know, being accepting of all religions and tolerance and such things, that doesn't exist in nations like India and nations like Pakistan. A very few will tolerate other religions. And in Pakistan, it actually is uh, illegal and dangerous to preach the gospel. In India, for example, where we've had multiple crusades, uh, and we've seen thousands and thousands of people come to the Lord, it's illegal to convert somebody from any religion to Christianity. And so we would go and we would, we would have a healing event. We would have a healing crusade. And, and basically, I would, I would open in prayer because we were allowed to pray for people. And in that prayer would be an extended message and the gospel and an opportunity for them to pray with me to receive Jesus. In Pakistan, it is illegal to the point that it could be jail and even death if you preach Jesus Christ openly. And so I was invited, um, and it was the only event I ever did like that. I was invited by somebody I had no contact with, prayed things through. A year later, I'm in Pakistan getting ready to do this crusade. And while we were there, the, 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 I would just say the standard Muslim, we would say extreme Muslim here, the standard Muslim, they, wrote, they rose up. They began to tear down at night all of the billboards, all of the signage. They took everything to the middle of the square, including the sound equipment and the stage, and they poured gasoline on it, and they burned it and had a bonfire. Then they threatened the pastors. They threatened to, unfortunately, rape their daughters, pour acid in their wife's face, whatever they could do to scare them. So we had to move probably 30 different pastors into secret places because of that public event. And we were isolated in our hotel room for three to five days. And we began to pray because we had this investment and we knew God had called us there. And so what we ended up doing is we developed a strategy called a quick strike crusade. 
And what we would do is we would take um, flatbed trailers with semis, and we would pull two in and flatbeds with sound equipment and everything on them that just had to be unpacked and put together and a generator fired up. And we would go into smaller communities. We did this for seven days. We'd go into a smaller community. We would block off the main road because the, the buildings are high. And we would actually have a, like an auditorium in a smaller town. I'm talking a town like the size of Indianola, for example, or, or um, Fort Dodge. And we would go in and we'd block off and they would come in without announcement and they would start doing music. We had guys who were hired with guns to protect, um, to protect, and that's kind of a funny story in itself because the only people that could own guns were Muslims, and so we were paying extremists to protect us from the extremists, and we still harvested hundreds and hundreds of souls every single night. And we left behind in Urdu a devotional book, a devotional book that I, writ, I had written about the foundations of Christianity. We left that behind everywhere that we went, hundreds of copies of those that gave their life to Jesus Christ. Now, that was probably one of the most traumatic experiences that I ever had because when I got off of the plane in Pakistan, it felt like I was walking in sludge, like, like just walking in a spiritual haze. It was so thick. It was so oppressive. And a couple months after I came back from that crusade, I ran into Mike Huckabee at an event, and, and uh, I just was talking to him because he had just returned from Pakistan, and I asked him what he felt when he got there. He said, it was like walking in spiritual sludge. And that's what oppression is like. Now, I knew when we went that there was a possibility that things could go south if you know what I mean. And so I spent uh, three days in uh, meetings on the phone and meetings in person with a very close friend of mine who was also a pastor, and I explained to him, if I don't come back, these are the things that I have planned for my family. This is the exit plan for this. This is how we liquidate that. This is where I want the family to live. This is what I don't want to see happen, although I shared a lot of this with Nija. I knew if something happened that she would be uh, emotionally not equipped to make decisions for quite a period of time. And so I shared that with a friend. Very important, last words. And then I said to each one of my family members, certain things that they needed, that I felt they needed to hear. Because if I didn't return, those words were going to be the words that would echo in their memory banks. And I wanted them to be words that encouraged, but also words that gave direction. Because as the head of my household and the head of the ministry, there, there was a direction that we were going, a direction that we were heading, and I wanted to be sure that they would arrive at that at that destination, at least have the choice to decide whether they wanted to do the things that, that I, I, I felt in my heart we should do. Am I making myself clear? Last words. And if any of you have ever experienced a, a, an illness that could end, a disease that could end in death, the possibility, you know exactly what I'm talking about, the thought process that you go through. This wasn't something that I said, I, a doctor said, okay, this is, what, this is a possibility. This was something that I 
I knew the Lord had asked us to do, and I had to make a decision. Am I willing to put this on the table? And obedience is best. The truth is the safest place to be in, in the world is in the will of God, even if you're in the middle of a war zone. And we've done events in the middle of war zones. And we've seen thousands of people come to Jesus. Now, I, I say all this because to, this morning, I, I just want to talk to you as, as a pastor. I'm not going to get deep into the Word of God like we usually do. I'm just going to tell you some things that, that I, I really wish, if you, don't, if you don't ever hear my voice again, if you don't ever see me again, I, I would like you to have these nuggets of truth, little, little signposts on the road or the map to your life that you could, you could look at and see, am I doing this, am I doing that? Should I, you know, things that you can check within yourself. Because being a Christian is supposed to be challenging, but it's supposed to be full of joy. And being a Christian, it, it, we, have, we have a purpose. As much as we would love to in our Western world say that we're coming to Jesus so we could go to heaven and so we could be saved, honey, that ain't it. That's not it. Yes, thank God. We're, we're saved and we get marked with the Holy Spirit and, and, and that, that we live our life with him, that we get to be with him forever. But we have a purpose right here. And it's hard to walk out the purpose if you're miserable. It's hard to walk out the purpose if you don't understand the simple things. And sometimes we make Christianity way too difficult. Remember, we make church way too difficult. Church is not this building. This is a building. This is a cathedral. It's a structure. It's, it, we poured a lot of sweat and tears in this. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to say to God, why? Why couldn't we just meet in school? Why couldn't we? But we're just being obedient. There's a purpose. We make it too difficult. We make it too much about the Sunday experience. We really need to start being the church and stop going to church. I didn't say we should stop coming together. We should stop assembling. I said that we, we really need to start being the church instead of replacing being the church with going to church. And I honestly believe with all my heart God would empty out every single church building in the world to get his purpose and his destiny into your life. Now we have such wonderful ways that we can connect, and we're going to get better at it. We're, we're, guys, we are feeding people in 195 nations. Now, it's not like what you think the competition is here, because over there, they're actually hungry. The, the majority of the, the, the people that are following us, the majority of the 350 to 400,000 people that are following us, are under the age of 25. And they're addicted to their new open door of communication. And thank God they're choosing to get addicted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Thank God they're getting saved. Thank God they're getting equipped. I wish there was that kind of hungry, hunger here. And there would be if we had the same situation and environment that they live in. I'm going to just throw this in. Do you know that people usually don't fall away from the Lord when things are tough? That's when they come to the Lord. People fall away from the purpose and the destiny and the plan of God and salvation when things are going good. Really, it's our nature. Things are going good. As soon as things get messed up, now hold on, then that's when we come to Jesus. That's when we get on our knees. That's when we, that's when we, we, we come on. It's not when we're in sin. It's when we get caught being in. Enough of that. Praise the Lord. So I want to share some thoughts with you that if, if, if you never heard my voice again, that I want you to remember. I'm going to begin with the first one. You ready? Love God first, your family second, and your church third. Guys, this is the most important thing. If I could, if I could, if I could get in your brain and tattoo it, I would do it. If I, could, if I could say it to you a million times, if I had, it took a million times to say it in front of you and you would get it, I would do it. But it's got to be something supernatural that happens. You love God first, then you'll be able to love your family the way you should, and then you love your church third. I don't mean this building. I mean the people of God that you fellowship with. The people of God that you come out together in a public place, because that's part of being a church. You're not part, you're part of the body of Christ, but if you're not part of a, of a government that God establishes, you're not participating in the church. You have to come together. Now, nobody, nowhere in the Word of God does it say, I'm looking for a lightning shield, that we have to come together every Sunday. It's just been our culture. But when we come together every Sunday, guys, it's a beautiful thing until it starts to hinder us being the church. You love God. You love God first, and you could love your family, and then you love the church. And if you don't love the church, the people that you're with, guess what? You can't love the world into salvation right. You won't be able to do it. This is, this is scriptural. Love God, your family second, and your church third. Learn to love not as an emotion, but as a sacrificial way of life. That's heavy because it has nothing to do with how you feel. We are blessed, we are lucky when our feelings match up with the love that we have for somebody. Love is more of a commitment to serving. It learned to love not as emotion, but as a sacrificial way of life. Be painfully faithful to those that you love. Love God, love your family, love your church. I'm going to say that second part again. Be painfully faithful to those that you love. You ready for number two? If there was something that I could put in, if I were going to say to you, if I were never coming back, I would say this. Be quick to repent and learn to apologize. Because these are things that will help you. 
It'll help you become happy. It'll help you become full. It'll help you to not be fragmented. Learn. Be quick, quick, quick to repent. As soon as you know it's wrong, repent, God. I need to bring you in this because I messed up. Help me. And learn to apologize because you saying sorry to God is not repentance. Apologizing to God is not repentance. Repentance is is changing. And uh, repenting doesn't cover or disqualify you or fulfill your obligation to apologize to the offended party. Let me say it again. Be quick to repent and learn to apologize. And, And apologize to a slightly bigger audience than the one that you offended. So if it's just needs and I, sometimes I'll wait till the dinner table and I'll say something. If it's, if it's the family, sometimes I'll bring it up in church. Now I have a platform I can do that. But let me tell you what, when you learn, please, if you learn, hear this. If you learn to apologize to a slightly bigger audience than you offend, it'll keep you humble. And it'll keep you in check. Listen more than you speak and ask questions. I wish somebody would have told me this when I was a kid because I was Mr. Talker all the time, never, and I still have a problem listening. I am learning at my age, I'm learning how to listen. And I have to remind myself to listen. I'm the guy who, when you're talking and I think you're, you're going on and I know how your sentence is going to end, I'll finish it for you so we could get on to the next. Learn to listen and ask questions. And when you ask questions, guys, ask with a genuine desire to learn more about that other person. And listen. Because God will always show you the key to unlock a situation or to unlock a person's heart through what they say. So be, be, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and ask questions. Now here, here this, is in, this is important. If you want to continue to grow, be curious about everything. Be curious about everything. Curiosity has to be developed. Curiosity should be encouraged. Be curious about, every, why do I believe what I believe? I want to know. Be curious about everything except sin. Solomon was curious about everything, but he didn't restrain himself regarding sin, and he almost lost the kingdom. With modern search engines, the world's information are not, not, not your fingertips, they're now at the command of your voice. And they used to say that information was power. Knowledge was power. Now, if that were true, then anybody that has Google can rule the world, and that's not happening. So it's not knowledge, it's applied knowledge. Be curious with the intent to apply what you learn. Don't take what somebody said that you think is questionable as fact. Don't even take what you read on the internet as fact. Search it out two or three different ways. Be curious about everything because curiosity is what stimulates growth and learning. Ready? Become a reader. What the heck does that have to do with anything, Pastor? 
I, I'm, I've got PDSQ, I can't read. I, 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 I see things backwards, I can't read. My faith says that's not true. My knowledge says you can get a hold of any book, an audio version of it now, and you could follow the words along with it until you can develop the habit or develop the discipline, even with disabilities, even with something not working right, that you can read. God shows, listen to me, God shows to reveal his will to us by his written word. There's a reason for that because when you, I'm just talking to you as a pastor. This isn't theological doctrine stuff. When you read your mind, your body, and your spirit have to be aligned and working together for you to comprehend or to get revelation of what you're reading. It is a discipline that will affect every single area in your life. You know, there's, uh, there's Asian cultures that believe in centering yourself. God believes in that too because you have to be centered to read. And most people, even without problems, physical problems or ment mental issues, the way things register, most people aren't disciplined enough to bring all three together to develop the habit of Reading, become a reader. Reading requires the body, soul, and spirit to work seamlessly. It also, we need new information to stimulate thought and growth. Think of your, your mind and your thought life like a pool of water. If it has no fresh water coming in and no, no water going out, it becomes stagnant and it stinks. And, and that's the way most people's thought lives are because the truth is the answer isn't in that filing cabinet. So quit searching the filing cabinet that is limited and get curious and search something out and read. It'll make you a better person. It'll make you more focused, it'll make you more disciplined, it'll make you driven, it will stimulate growth. All right, ready for another one? Take note of who you spend the most time with. My mother used to say this and it used to make me mad. Birds of a feather flock together, Kenny. What does that mean? All birds have feathers. My grandpa used to say, if it looks like a duck and it sounds like a duck and it walks like a duck, it's probably a duck. You put those two together, it starts to make sense. You will become like those that you hang with the majority of your time. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have friends that you're helping up, but you have to have close friends that are I'm just going to say it better than you. I have to have friends that are better than me. I have friends that are ahead of me financially. I am friends with them on purpose. I have, I have friends that are ahead of me spiritually. I am friends with them on purpose. I have friends that are ahead of me as, a, as pastor and leading staff. I'm friends with them on purpose. As a matter of fact, I have about eight friends that I connect with, continue, I connect with every single month, if not every single week, because I need their discipline. I need their knowledge. I need their influence in my life. Take note of those you spend the most time with. 
Now, this one is going to seem anti-faith, but it's not. Please hear me all the way through. If I were going to, if I were going to, especially for us who are, who believe God is a God of miracles, especially of us who believe that faith can move mountains, you need to hear this. And I'm not contradicting the ability of our faith, okay? However, I know that faith begins where the will of God is known, and many times we miscarry our faith because we're believing in something that God hasn't said we should believe for. Praise the Lord. Plan your life as if Jesus wasn't coming back during your years on this earth, but live your life as if he's coming back tomorrow. In other words, you want to give everything for the gospel, right? Yes, you want to live your life for Jesus. But you know you have a retirement you need to fund. Live your life as if he's coming back tomorrow, but plan as if he's not coming back until you're dead and gone. I'll let you think about that one. In the same line of thinking, prepare as if the miracle weren't going to happen. Maybe it's a financial miracle. Maybe it's a, a physical miracle. Maybe it's a, a healing. Maybe it's provision. I don't know. But, but believe, believe, prepare as if the miracle weren't going to happen while you fully expect God is going to come through at any moment. Those don't contradict each other. When you're mature in the Lord, you can do that. I can plan, I, I can plan, I, I'm believing God is going to heal this thing, but if not, I'm going to go ahead and have the surgery the doctors are saying to have. Now, come on, I'm going to give God ample time, and I'm not going to violate my spirit, I'm not going to violate the word, but if he says, if the doctors are saying, and it's getting to the point that I can't function, I'm going to go ahead and have the surgery. And then I'm going to switch my faith. I'm going to believe God for a healing. I'm going to believe God for a quick recovery. I'm going to believe God that he'll, he'll guide the hand of the doctors and the nurses. And there'll be a supernatural thing. As the natural things that they do, God hooks up with his power. And it becomes a supernatural event. Listen, I live my life this way. I'm, I'm being very open with you. I live my, you can ask my wife. She just thinks I'm disgusting about this. If I, my, my mom, mom always has skin, skin tags, lots of them. I don't believe that tumors belong in my body. I don't believe the skin tags belong in my body. And I'll do this, I'll say, in the name of Jesus, you go away. And a lot of times they do. But if they don't go away after about 10 days, I'll cut them suckers off. They don't belong in my body. I'm taking authority over it. Now, I can't dig inside and cut something out of me, so I have to have somebody else do that. And there have been times I've gone to my doctor and said, will you, take, will you take this, cut this off for me? Why? Because I don't like it. Okay, I'll cut it off and I'll send it in for tests. But believe God for the miracle. Believe God for the miracle. Believe it's going to happen tomorrow. But listen, you plan as if it's not. Everybody say amen. Are you still here or do you want to go home? All right. Despite what you've heard, despite the messages that have been taught, despite what you want to believe, pray for patience. Pray for patience. Because without patience, you won't last in anything. 
You will be fickle. You'll be like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro. You'll be like a pinball in a pin and pinball machine going boing, 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 boing through life. And you'll say, oh, it finally gets past the paddles. And you say, I get to go to sleep. And then in the morning, somebody thrusts that thing and boing, 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 boing again. Pray for patience. Can you all hear me okay? I'm trying to tattoo something in your head. Praying for patience doesn't mean you're going to get trials and tribulations. You see, because experience is the simplest form of learning. It takes the least amount of discipline. And most people don't get that. But you can learn by watching others. You can learn by dissecting yourself and your actions. You can learn from your mistakes. You can learn from the Word of God. And that doesn't require experience. That requires a determination and an act of your will. Pray for patience. I've heard it said the three most powerful forces in creation are, are the Holy Spirit here on the earth, compounding interest, and a Christian who has developed their patience. Can't stop them. You can't stop them. If they've developed their patience, they won't quit. They'll drive on no matter what. And in your developing of patience, learn to develop contentment. Because without it, you'll be miserable. And people won't want to be around you. Spend everything that you have. Spend everything that you have. Spend all of your resources. If you're going to invest in one area, spend everything that you have to discover God's purpose for you. <clears throat> what good would it be to own the entire world if you never fulfilled God's purpose? Because God made you inside to be discontented. If you don't fulfill his purpose. He didn't do that to punish you. He did that because you'll find the greatest fulfillment in doing what he designed you to do. People make a decision about their career based on money. They should make a decision about what they do in life based on God's design and God's purpose for each and every one of us. Once you've discovered, you discovered your purpose, invest everything you can in fulfilling it because there's no greater satisfaction than being in God's will and fulfilling his desire for your life. Nothing. Always live your life with a measure of restraint. When I was a kid, we lived in Omaha, Nebraska, and my, my cousins uh, who we spent every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, every Fourth of July with. They lived on a farm out in Grattan, Nebraska. And we would go to that farm, and Mom and Dad would say, just go hog wild, whatever. They didn't have hogs, so I didn't know what that meant. Just go hog wild. And so I, that was the first time in my life, I, because we were a very restrained, disciplined children. You know, when we went to the store, we put our hands in our pockets I couldn't get an to make our kids do that because then we wouldn't touch anything. And we didn't get a reward if we didn't put our hands, if we kept our hands in our pocket. We just didn't get spanked if we took them out. 
So we would, no matter where we went, people would come up to me, especially older people would come up to my mom and dad and say, oh, your kids are so well behaved. They're so, they're so wonderful. It's refreshing to see this. And we're thinking, yeah, but this is a prison. <laughs> but we went out to my cousin's house and I would remove the restraint. And I remember we ran like crazy and I would scream at the top of my lungs because we weren't allowed to be loud in our house, in the city, even in the yard. And I lost my voice. As a matter of fact, every time I went out there, I would lose my voice because I didn't have any level of restraint. And there were other things in my life when I wasn't living for the Lord that I was the same way. Always, kids, listen, especially you teenagers, guys getting ready to go to college, always have a level of restraint. Always have something in reserve. Don't ever give it everything you've got because you've got to get home and get to bed and get up the next morning and do it again and again and again. There's always going to be a tomorrow. Live a life with a measure of self-restraint. Leave some room for margin. That's a whole nother sermon. Do everything as if Jesus were right with you because he is. Don't cut corners. Do it the best that you possibly can with what you have. And be satisfied with what you have. Do everything as unto the Lord. I like to say it this way. Do everything as if Jesus is right there with you because he is. I used to work for a farmer when I was a teenager. I would go do his chores in the morning and night on the weekends. And I worked another job. I'd do chores before school and after school. Then I'd go to my other job. And, and I remember building fence for him one summer. And I didn't like the way it looked because, you know, the, the fence wasn't straight. The barbed wire was up and down. I don't know if you know this, but if that happens, then it, it will loosen because eventually it will drive that post down farther or lift the other ones up. And I said, Don, I don't think this is good enough. He says, good enough for who it's for. And I learned to hate that statement. I had to make myself hate that statement. It was good enough for Don, but it wasn't good enough for me. It wasn't good enough. If Jesus were right there with me, would I, want to, would I build fence for him like that? No. And Don ended up losing his farm years later because he did things that were good enough for him. So do everything as if Jesus were with you because he is. Do it as unto the Lord. If you're going to run, run fast. If you're going to jump, jump high. If you're going to dance, dance hard. Leave some room for margin. Don't run. Go get that. Okay. I've got a few kids like that. The sloth mode kicks in when they have to take the garbage out. And I did it too. So I have a little more grace and mercy. Praise the Lord. Do everything as unto the Lord. Do it with excellence. Do it with joy. I can't do some of the things I do with joy. Because at the moment, I'm not thinking I'm doing it as unto the Lord or for Jesus. But my life is lived for him. 
Do everything as if Jesus were right there with you because he is. Develop these habits. Read your Bible every day. Now, I know that sounds like a huge thing, but it's not once you become a reader. And when you read your Bible, I've, I've had, for years, I've had to tell people, this is, if you're going to read, if I'm going to write you a letter, don't, don't just read the first sentence and then tomorrow come back and read the second sentence and, and the next day go to the end of the letter and read one sentence. Read it as I wrote it because you'll get the intent, you'll get the thought. Most of the Bible is in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are Gospels. You can split those up in different readings, maybe, maybe five chapters a day. But, but the, the, the epistles are a letter. Read them as a letter. Don't, don't pick out one scripture and think you're going to mature on meditating on that one scripture. Jesus wept. Oh, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Wept, Jesus did. Wept, Jesus did. Jesus did weep. Jesus cried. Jesus, Jesus wept. Jesus was sad. Jesus was full of compassion. Jesus wept. I don't know about you. I'm not getting fed. Every day, because the hamburger you ate last week isn't going to sustain your body today, the protein that you ate last week isn't going to maintain your muscle tissue today, it's a spiritual meal. You've got to feed your spirit man like you do your natural man because God made your natural man to mirror your spiritual man. Come on, read your Bible every day. And don't sit down and eat a pretzel full of peanut butter and think that's going to sustain your spiritual man all day. Come on, read three to five chapters a day. It does take 15 to 20 minutes out of 24 hours. He is your Lord. Don't you want to know him? Read your Bible every day. Develop these habits. Start and end every day with prayer. Even if it's just good morning, Lord, use me today. Father, thank you. Help me to have a good night's sleep. Protection over my family at night. Talk to you in the morning. Fill my night. I do this all the time. Fill my night with dreams and visions. Reveal your will to me in my sleep. Come on, because my spirit man's not sleeping. Even if it's just that, good morning, Lord. Good morning, Lord. Use me today. And before you go to bed, Lord, thank you for this day. Help my family to rest well. Help me to rest well. Man, speak to me in my sleep. Give me dreams and visions. Start every day. And if you don't do this, you're missing a wonderful opportunity. Families that eat together, stay together. Families that eat together, you usually end up with kids that attain greater, greater things in life. They stay out of trouble. Don't just eat together. Pray together. Listen, this is a standard prayer, but we pray over every meal. See, we're praying together because we don't have prayer meetings in my family, but we pray together every meal. It's, a lot of times it's, Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for this day. Thank you for our family. Let this food nourish our bodies in Jesus' name. Amen. And sometimes it's, it's almost as bad as God is good, God is great, thank you for the food that's on our plate, amen? Or now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep, what a morbid prayer. If I die before I wake, oh Lord, please Jesus, my soul to take. I mean, they, they, sometimes it's like that, but we're praying together, we're developing a discipline of acknowledging God before each and every meal. It's, it's important, develop these Habits, read your Bible every day. Start every day with prayer. 
Give. Become a giver. Give to the church. Give to those around you. Let giving become a lifestyle. Lord, use me. Listen, you can get it through me. Just get it to me. I'll get, I will give. Now, remember, you have to have some restraint, and you have to have some discipline. And each and I, for the first, oh, my gosh, 20 years of our marriage, we gave everything. Everything. Have some restraint. Have some investments. Have some savings, praise the Lord. But become a giver, because God will get more to you the more he can get through you. Uh, the next one is serve. Serve others in your family. Serve in your church and serve in your community. Last one, don't forget how important you are to your church and how important your church is to you. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about you guys. With all that being said, guys, if I were to never see you again and you were never to hear my voice again, I would want these scriptures to ring in your ears. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. This is what Jesus said to his disciples before he left. Same situation. He knows he's going. He's not going to be present with them physically. So he's, he's leaving them with, the, these are the directions I want you to follow. This is what I want you to do. This is the design and the purpose for your life. I have given all authority. I've been given all authority on heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all. Go and make disciples of all Nations is a deceiving word in English. It's ethnos. It's the same word that we get. Ethnicity. It's cultures. It's tribes. It's different families. Go and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teach them to obey the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, man. I'm with you always. Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone and anyone who believes and is baptized, they'll be saved. Go into all the world. Preach the good news. Come on. Tell somebody about Jesus. And if they believe and are baptized, they're going to be saved. But anyone he refuses to believe will be condemned. And don't forget, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They'll cast out demons in my name. That hasn't gone away. They'll speak in new languages or tongues. That hasn't gone away. They'll be able to handle, I don't know why you do it, but handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, that's happened to me overseas. And I did not die. I got a little sick, but I didn't die. They'll be, they will be able to place their hands on the sick, and the sick will Recover. Don't forget the miraculous side of your salvation. Don't put it away because it's not popular. It is the reality that proves that Jesus is a risen Lord and he's not a dead prophet. It's the miracles, the signs and wonders. Acts chapter 1. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. I like the way it says it in the NLT. Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Are you getting it? Jesus is just getting ready to leave. His last words are, tell people about me. Teach people about me. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Last scripture. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord 
and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. See, for it's, it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it's by your open confession, when you're openly, publicly declaring him as your Lord, that you are saved. But here it is one more time, verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they hear about him? How can they, how can they, how can they believe in him if they haven't heard about him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless one of us tells them? Everybody say tell. Everything that I've said before the scriptures are things that will enable you to help you fulfill your destiny, to help you fulfill your purpose, to help you fulfill your calling. And no matter what flavor that takes, it will include telling people about Jesus and teaching them what you know. Get it in your heart. If I never came back, if you never heard my voice again, Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We're not embarrassed of you. We're proud of you. We're happy with our relationship with you. We want to share you with other people. Empower us and strengthen us to fulfill our destiny, to fulfill our, our purpose, to be strong in you and the power of your might, loving you, loving our family loving the church so we can properly love the world into salvation.